Another edition of the Metrospective, Pete McCarthy with Tim Britton. And Tim, this division's not very good. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're looking at here, is it not? A couple of wins over the Nationals and, and some clutch hitting for a, a nice change of pace. Well, you know, after the behemoth Florida Florida Marlins, they've only been the Miami Marlins for like eight years. After the first place Miami Marlins, uh, yeah, there's really not much going on in this division like we all expected going in. The Marlins would be the class of the National League (laughs) East. Uh, It is, you look at it, I remember having a similar feeling at the beginning of last year. Uh, and and being a little misguided in it eventually because the Braves ended up winning 97 games and the Nationals won the World Series. Sure. Uh, so you can jump to conclusions uh, early in a season, but certainly you look at the four teams that were supposed to be contending in the National League East. The Braves have one starting pitcher you feel good about in Max Fried and no one else, uh, and Acuna and Albies are both out now for a little bit. Uh, the Phillies don't have a bullpen, uh, like no one down there that you can trust. Uh, the Nationals lineup, uh, if Juan Soto is hitting four homers in four games, looks decent. But if he's not, uh, the rest of that lineup looks looks kind of shallow. And, and their bullpen uh, with Sean Doolittle struggling is not as deep. Uh, and so the Mets can play two games like they did on Wednesday and Thursday. And you can say, hey, maybe this is this is a team that can hang there in, in this division. You know, post-Marlins division, post-Marlins section of the division. Yeah, well, look, uh, the Mets have problems, and we've talked about their problems, but... There are a lot of issues uh, all the way through this division right now. And again, when you're looking at eight teams making the playoffs, it's part of it. Now, uh, of course, the big story on Thursday, Jeff McNeil going uh, full Mike Baxter into the wall. And you never want to go full uh, Mike Baxter. But uh, McNeil, a bone contusion, had to be carted off the field. It it was a spectacular catch, but it, it didn't look great in the aftermath. Yeah, it, did, it didn't look good in the moment. And... You know, the, the x-rays came back negative. The MRI, the Mets said, is negative. Uh, that's all good news. Uh, they, they classified McNeil as day-to-day with that bone bruise. Um, bone bruises, I think, usually take a little bit more than a day or two uh, to heal. Uh, if you're a Mets fan, you may remember Carlos Beltran's dalliance with one uh, back in, like, 2009, where he missed two and a half months, basically, because it he came, you know he missed a couple days, came back, played for a while, and then the bone bruise got bigger. Uh, and that was really the start of, of some of his uh, his knee issues uh, back in 09 and, and 2010. That's a worst case scenario, obviously. Uh, but I would not expect to see McNeil in the lineup on Friday, for instance. Uh, and, you know, while Louis Rojas said uh, after the game Thursday that he didn't expect a, a stint on the IL, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if eventually that that's where McNeil ended up on the 10 day IL just to give this as much time as possible. I guess the other part of it is because J.D. Davis has done a nice job defensively at third base. McNeil struggled early. McNeil's kind of back to the role he was last year where he's playing different spots. I know Robinson Cano is there, but does it just make sense? Put McNeil at second base rather than have him try to figure things out because he is too valuable to this team offensively to put him in a position where maybe he does find himself getting hurt because he's not as familiar in left field as he is at other spots. I don't know. You know, I, I do think second base is his best position defensively. Uh, I don't know if that that's the position you put a guy to keep him healthy. You know, second baseman uh, Cano is kind of the the outlier. And, and even we've seen the last two years with him, he's been on the, the injured list a lot. Uh, just the wear and tear on your legs of playing second base adds up over time. 
So I know the Mets prefer to have McNeil on the infield. They think that keeps his legs healthier. I think, you know, Thursday's play is just uh, Jeff McNeil being Jeff McNeil. He's going to go all out and try to make a play like that. A play that really did change the game and, and save a couple runs in that first inning for David Peterson. Who knows how that game goes if that ball gets in and it's 3 nothing uh, right off the bat in the top of the first. Uh, so you, you love the way that he plays like that, but you just hope it doesn't cost you significant time. What will be interesting is, you know, when Cano comes back, uh, whether that's Friday or in a, a couple of days, Rojas said, you know, they would use the DH slot to kind of ease him back in from time to time. Uh, so I wonder if you see, you know, maybe Dom Smith gets some left field time. You, you have Davis at third, Smith in left field, Cano DHing, and, and Andre Jimenez getting his time at second base uh, with Rosario back playing shortstop, if that's the way you get kind of your best lineup in while McNeil uh, is out. And Jimenez, he has been a lot of fun to watch. We're going to get into the rookie right after this word from Indochino. Well, it is beach season and Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game and they've forever changed it with their Perfect Package 3.0. It comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You can adjust settings to get a length you like. You can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code THEATHLETIC. For a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, that's a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today, use code THEATHLETIC20. We're getting back, Tim. Andres Jimenez, he has a great feel for the game, and we've talked about that a little bit, but what he has brought defensively, I think what Billy Hamilton has added defensively as well, this Mets team's been a little easier to watch, a little easier on the eyes these uh, past this past week or so. It's it's so different to watch a team making the plays. <laughs> you know, we we talked about it with that that first game in DC behind Porcello, where it was really eye opening to see the plays that uh, you know Conforto, Jimenez, Davis, and and Guillaume all made in that game. And now we've seen that middle infield of Guillaume and Jimenez each of the last three days making a couple different play, you know, turning two on Trey Turner a couple times on Tuesday night, almost pulling it off again on Thursday. Uh, and it, it, you know, this is a pitching staff that doesn't rely on the strikeout quite the same way as it did in 2015 and 2016. Uh, so you've got uh, guys who are going to keep the ball in play uh, and you've got guys who are giving them the confidence to pitch to contact a little bit more. Um, you know, the defense has been such an intractable issue for the Mets for years that you can kind of start to see them working their way out of it. If J.D. Davis uh, is a reasonable third baseman, you know, he doesn't have to be a great third baseman, but if he's a reasonable third baseman, that really changes how you look at him going forward. Uh, if Jimenez can hit, well, then you've got a guy who can be your everyday shortstop going forward, and then you decide where does Ahmed Rosario fit longer term. Uh, there, there's some interesting things going on transpiring here with the Mets defensively, that gives you maybe a sense that they could work their way out of this uh, defensive hole that they've been in really for five or six years. Well, what exactly, what kind of stomach issue is the Med Rosario dealing with that Andres Med is getting all this time? Yeah, it, you know, it was J.D. Davis had one and, and they needed him in the starting lineup that night and he was there. 
Uh, Rosario has one and it's taken him three days. I, look, we've all had stomach issues that took a little while to get over. Um, but I, I do think because Jimenez and Guillaume, to be fair, mm. like Guillaume has played really well the last couple of games uh, because they've played so well together uh, this week that it's made it a little easier to let Ahmed work his way back uh, and take his time getting back into the lineup. Is Edgardo Alfonso a fair comp for Jimenez? Just to the fact that you have a young player come up who has just a great feel for the game, can play multiple positions, good defensively, can hit a little bit. I mean, Alfonso wasn't stealing bases like Jimenez is here with five stolen bases on the season. But, I mean, I, I just see a little bit of that. And I remember, you know, Alfonso had to fight off Butch Husky, who had the tools and was, you know, this big power hitter and never quite put it all together at the major league level. And, you know, I look at Jimenez, he's, he's kind of fighting off the same kind of player, potentially, in Ahmed Rosario, who, look, we've seen the tools. We've seen times where it's okay he's starting to piece it together he's starting to put it together but still not enough consistency on offensively or defensively from Rosario yeah I mean I, I don't think we'll ever see Jimenez put together the kind of offensive seasons that Alfonso did in like 99 and 2000 where he's among you know the yeah the game's best offensive players uh but I, I do think like you know, uh, Louis Rojas, when he was managing in, in AA, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, made the comparison between Rosario and Jimenez. Rosario was a tools guy, and Jimenez is a skills guy. Uh, Rosario, you can dream on everything he does, and every flaw that he has looks correctable. Uh, whereas Jimenez is going to get the most out of what he has. Um, and we're seeing that the most out of, you know, Jimenez is reaching his ceiling a little bit uh, quicker than I think most of us expected and it's taking Rosario longer to fix those those quote-unquote correctable flaws you know that's as good as Jimenez has looked it's it's also part of Rosario has not carried over what he did the second half of last season uh, it's not just that the numbers are down it's that the plate approach doesn't look quite the same I think he's been fine defensively he's been maybe a player two where where you've you've thought uh, he should have made but it, it's not nearly as glaring as it was early last season uh, but I think it's really a combination of those two things it's Jimenez looking uh, like he certainly belongs at this level right away and as Rosario not carrying over all the potential he flashed for a, a good chunk of last season. Yeah, another position that maybe has some interest, at least for a day, we can at least mention it, but Tomas Nito hitting two home runs and grand slams. Like, where the heck did Tomas Nito is doing this uh, offensively? And, you know, we know Wilson Ramos has had his struggles and you know, had a key hit uh, in the National Series, but... Uh, yeah, do you take anything away from Nito having that kind of day, or is it just one of those things like Kirk Neuenheis had a three-homer game, while Ligaris had some big games, uh, you know, here or there over the years, and you just kind of chalk it up, tip the cap to Tomas Nito for putting one together? Scrap the JT Real Muto talk. You've got your catcher of the future <laughs> in Tomas Nito. You know, That's uh, right. You know, I, I think right now it's it's just a game. Um, you know, like you've mentioned, there have been plenty of other guys who have had big games like this. I mean, Lagares had a two-homer game last September, if I remember correctly, and then, you know, didn't sign anywhere for a while in the offseason. But Nito did make some pretty significant changes offensively in the winter, um, and you can imagine it being difficult to implement those changes. You know, you you revamp your swing or something this past offseason, then you get to spring training and you've got like 10 games to work work on it, and then you sit for a couple more months, and then you've got uh, some inter-squad games to work on it, and now you're playing once every four or five days the way he is. Uh, you can imagine how hard it is to put that into practice. So I think he's I think he's hit in every game he's started. 
uh, I don't know what the overall numbers are, but uh, he's looked better offensively. And with Nito, you know, the, the bar for an offensive player at catcher is not high. Uh, he brings more defensively than someone like Ramos. I don't think he's going to supplant Wilson at any point this year. Uh, and I don't know that Nito is necessarily a guy you think of as a starting catcher anytime soon. But yeah. when you're plotting out uh, how you want to field this position over the next couple of years, you know, you've got an option on Ramos this offseason that I think is going to be an interesting decision for them, uh, especially if they want to get involved with Real Muto. Uh, and having Nito as, as a capable backup, which you weren't sure he was coming into the season, you're still not sure now if this is a guy you can count on to be your backup catcher for 40 games a year. Uh, that would really help if you knew at the end of the season, you know what, we feel good about our backup situation. Uh, now let, let's spend more on the, the primary guy. So Tomas Nito, have a day, but it's intriguing. It's something to, to watch, see if maybe he can back it up in, in some way, shape, or form. But you mentioned Real Muto. The Mets will be seeing him in the Philadelphia Phillies, Bryce Harper, the whole thing. This weekend at CBP where the Mets have always raked and then uh, they go down to Miami and hopefully uh, stay locked up in the hotel for four days. But uh, uh, we'll be back with you Tuesday morning. Uh, Tim Britton, I'm Pete McCarthy. Adios, bud. Happy birthday, Pete. Adios. Oh, thank you.